Welcome to Season 1, Episode 7 of the Red Diamond Report Podcast. I'm your host, Wilton Jackson. Today we have another exciting episode for you. I sat down with Keisha Kelly, the CEO of the Black College Experience, a podcast that brings media awareness to HBCU athletes. Kelly is a 2003 graduate of Southern University and has grown up around HBCUs her entire life, particularly Alabama A&M and FAMU. In Episode 7, Kelly talks to me about how she ended up at Southern University instead of FAMU, her HBCU experience as a student, the importance of exposing athletes to HBCUs, and more. This is Season 1, Episode 7 of the Red Diamond Report Podcast, The HBCU Experience, Then, Now, and the Future. Let's get it. Welcome to the Red Diamond Report podcast with your host, Wilton Jackson. And today we have Miss Keisha Kelly from Black College Experience. And it's good to have you on, Keisha. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about what you do and, um, and where you're from. So I am, of course, I am from Hunts. I'm originally from Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, of course, home of Alabama A&M. Um, but I am currently residing in Atlanta, Georgia, or Riverdale, rather. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, I'd say. Um, and what I do is I am the CEO of Black College Experience, which is a HBCU sports podcast uh, that advocates towards uh, HBCU athletics and our um, HBCUs, so our institutions and news that's going on around our schools. How did you get introduced to HBCUs in general and just that lifestyle in general? Well, I do. I tell people, being that I'm from Huntsville, um, Alabama Ed Nam raised me, Southern University made me. And that's 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 how it is. Um, I was around HBCUs as a kid. I was around uh, Drake State. I was around Alabama A&M. So it was nothing for me to, you know, come into that forefront and be, you know, introduced to it. Oku, it's also there. So we were always around um, HBCUs. I was always around that. So it was just a natural thing. It was natural to see that. And then, of course, you look at stuff on TV like A Different World. Mm-hmm. You look at uh, shows like that. And so it was just kind of like you you kind of went with it. You knew that you were going to a HBCU after the fact. What made you attend Southern if you had been around Alabama A&M like pretty much your entire life? So this is the crazy thing. My first choice was actually FAMU. FAMU was my first choice. Okay. I was in high school band. And I think I did. I went to, um, I, we went to, I was in the marching band. So we went to FAMU for a, some kind of, I think we were for a concert, for um, marching or concerts or something. Okay. And so when we went, we traveled every year. So when we went, I saw those hills and I was like, nah, bro, FAMU ain't for me. <laughs> that, them, them hills ain't for me. Right. That, that, and then I'm thinking about it because I'm like, okay, the hills, the heat. Then I get to Baton Rouge and it's, it's worse. The heat oh, yeah. is worse. So I'm like, you know, it's hot no matter where you went. The funny thing is, I have a twin sister that went to A&M. Her first choice was Southern. My first choice was FAMU. And so my sister ended up not going to Southern. I end up, it's like I went at her place. I was like, oh, I'll check out Southern. And of course, it was like a Southern, Grambling, um, A&M, Jackson State, other places that I applied. But Southern was the ultimate choice. And it's a choice that I, I never regret. What was so special about Southern, though? To me, it, it was first of all, I wanted to be far away from home. Let me be honest about that. I don't want I don't want to be anywhere with you. For starters. 
I don't want you to be able to drop in on me. But then it was also like my alumni chapter back home in Huntsville. It, it was a great group of people. And anytime you have people that can come in and they take you under their wing and they talk to you about, you know, they talk about the university, you hear how people are so caring and they're so excited. And when they speak about their university, they speak about their alma mater, they speak from a place that you know is genuine. I'm like, okay, this, this is the place for me to go. Cause I didn't do a college tour. I wasn't that person. I didn't do a college tour. I was eight hours away from home. So I, I wasn't that person. I literally was like, okay, this is where I'm going. And I just started applying. And then of course, you know, I was in band in high school. So of course I did look at band, but I wasn't like just struck on that. But band was one of the things I did pay attention to. In terms of when you were in the band, what instrument did you play? So when I was in high school, I played the cymbals. Okay. Oh, so you in the <laughs> percussion section. I was in the percussion okay, section. Okay, okay. I could see why you chose between FAMU and even <laughs> Southern itself. Okay, right, okay. Right. So in terms of, you know, you know, you had that band experience from, from high school, you go off to college. Like, what is that atmosphere like for someone who has never attended an HBCU or hasn't even been around a uh, HBCU in general for like a homecoming or a game or an event period? What is that experience like? I, I tell people, this is this is one of my mottos. There's nothing like a HBCU. There's absolutely nothing like it. You have to come onto one of those campuses to experience it. And just to be in that atmosphere. And I still remember, um, I tell people I'm, 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 I'm old school. I went to Southern in 99. So I still remember going to Southern to register um, in the summer of 99. I remember doing early registration and I still remember what I had on head to toe. I still remember what I wore. So being, I, I do, I do, I have a twin sister and two older sisters. And so I wasn't, I was used to, cause I traveled all the time with band. We did so much. I was used to being gone, but I always had somebody in my family or friends that I knew. So once I got to Southern and it's like 10,000 people on campus, I'm like, Oh God, it's like, I'm going to have to start all over again, making friends, doing different things. And I was so excited to go. But once I got there, I was like, wait, wait, y'all really dropping me off. Y'all like family, y'all really going to leave me here. And this is going to be it. So we got in on a Friday. My dad got everything organized. It was all put together. Took him forever. Saturday, I went back to the hotel and stayed with them. I was like, I'm not staying with these people. I don't know these people. Saturday, they took me back. They dropped me off. And I'm like, wait, seriously, y'all leaving me? Like y'all leaving me on this campus. And my mom cried, my twin sister cried, my two older sisters cried. And my dad was just, it's like he tried to hold it in. But I remember seeing him walk away, wiping a tear from his eye. And I was like, it's okay, I understand. But it was, it was some of the best four years of my life. Because that was in August. By November, I was like, yo, you ain't got to come pick me up. I'm good. We going to stay out here all the time. We good. We right. good. <laughs> Buy you classic and everything. We good. Right. So did you, did you play in the band in college or did you, what other things did you do when you were at Southern? No, I did not uh, do band, but I did uh, different organizations. SGA was one of them. Um, mm -hmm. AWS was one of them. So I did a bunch of, I say class oriented and SGA things. Um, I was always active in something. I was also in the black history club. Um, but we, we were, I was always active in something. Was it a reason why you didn't want to be in the band or you just know? Because usually I was in a band in high school myself and coming from a predominantly black high school, I know what that's like. You know, most of us were thinking to ourselves like, okay, are we going to go to Jackson State to be in the boom? Are we going to go to Southern? Are we going to go to Texas Southern? So, but at the end of the day, you realize that the band at an HBCU level, that's a job. It's like an, being a college athlete. 
it is and you know it's it's the morning it's the night it's during the day and it's, it's just like okay and then you got to keep up with your grades and i'm like listen you got to audition it's a totally different thing like as to where in high school you know okay you you have to try out you got to make sure it's positions but with them it's like okay it might be week to week it could be and i'm like i don't have time for that i was like the way i, I did it was just a lot and i knew what southern it was going to be and it, i was also there at a time where it wasn't women it wasn't too many women you know it wasn't a women's phase it was really guys mm -hmm. so it was just like nah that really wasn't happening for me you know with a lot of things going on with hbcus now and the, the landscapes of a lot of colleges and universities are changing what do you think is the key to growth for hbcus moving forward so i think that we have to continue to tell the story and that and that's the thing that we oftentimes don't do we have to tell the story a person can't talk about what they don't know so if we continue to tell the story continue to expose our uh, students our family members or these kids to our hbcus then they have a choice we're not saying you have to go to these schools, but we want to give you a choice. We have to expose them to our programs. We have to tell them, hey, you know, you want to go over here to a counterpart school, but you can also go over here to this HBCU that also offers this major where you can get this great experience, this great education, play for this great athletic program and still get a degree in the process. And I think a lot of times that's the thing that we don't expose them. And even during this pandemic or pre-pandemic, that was one of the things people were saying, oh, you know, they're gonna close, we're gonna lose people. But when we look at it, you see your Southerns, your Edward Waters, um, your Kentucky States, you see a Prairie Views, you see these schools that had growth. And even if it was only 30 people, it was growth. So we did see the numbers climb at these HBCUs. So I think we have to continue to tell the story and we have to continue to expose these kids to the same things that we were exposed to in terms of the exposure what do you think are the things because like i talk to my parents and even some of my older siblings uh often and you know they often tell me you know it's a it's a generation gap between you know some of the late 80s to the early 90s and it's like the way that you you know provide exposure to kids or get them to do different things is different what do you think you know especially within this social media world how do you get um younger kids today to you know to give them that exposure so i tell people this and this is the funny thing i'm on twitter a lot twitter's mm -hmm. my thing mm -hmm. and so i have a nephew that will graduate from tennessee state next next spring and so i tell people all the time he's 21 so if the 21 year olds are hanging out on snapchat guess where i gotta go i gotta go to snapchat wherever these people are hanging out is where you have to hang out this is where you have to continue to build a brand. You have to continue to tell them about it. Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever they are, you have to be there. You have to meet them at that place. And that's why I'm not judgmental of what they say, what they post. When they see peers in their area or in their age range around 18, 19, 20, that's committing to HBCUs or coming to HBCUs and they got a large following, they're like, well, shoot. It can't be too bad. Look, look, let me check it out. Let me let me see what a and &M looks like. Let me see what a Prairie View looks like. You know, let me see what a Texas Southern looks like. So I think when they see more people like them, people in their age bracket considering HBCUs, and it's like, shoot, well, let me let me see. Let me let me click on here and see what an Alabama State looks like. It's not a bad decision whatsoever, but again, we have to continue to expose them. And we know they're on social media, Absolutely. so you have to continue to pound the pavement and continue to attack, as I would say, to let them know, hey, we're here. And then you have to keep them engaged. 
you have to keep them engaged because if you lose them and they're applying for something and they get lost in that gap, then they have this, oh my God, I can't go because they didn't do, you have to stay, you have to stay there with them. It's like you got to hold their hand along the way while they're going through the process. So in terms of, you know, giving them an exposure, Deion Sanders is now the head coach at Jackson State. I mean, you talk about probably the ultimate exposure for Jackson State's athletic program, not even just the athletic program, but just the university, period. Do you think a move like this for Jackson State helps level the playing field or would encourage others, other schools to level their playing field? I, I absolutely do think that it, it's going to level the playing field. And it's going to encourage people. I guess it'll be two-sided. It's going to encourage people to step it up. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's the ultimate exposure. And if anybody knows, Primetime is the ultimate marketer. He markets himself really well. So, you know, with you marketing yourself, and for people that's been following, they didn't have so many stories, so many untruths, so many truths. It's been so much stuff. You can't even keep up with what's true and what's not. Right. And I just kind of, we you know, as a media, we're trying to wait to see what's really true. But it's so many things happening. So, you know, I, I did, I had calls from people like I'm a scout or something. I had people calling me like, yo, I might want to go play for Dion. And I'm like, you know, it's not that easy. It's, it's still football. Exactly. It's Dion Sanders. Just because it's an HBC, you don't mean that you can just walk into it and you can say, Hey, this is my time. But I definitely like to see that a lot of kids, like, I mean, it was just that, for him and Jackson State, it's major because a lot of kids are now starting to see, hey, I, again, I can go get a great education. I can get a great college experience. I can walk away with a degree, and I can also play in an athletic program. And who wouldn't want to say I play for Deion Sanders? The average kid these days would say I play, I play for primetime. I watched this guy. You know, maybe exactly. they didn't watch him growing up, but, like, I've watched right. highlights of this guy. Right. You know, he was playing for the Falcons, the Cowboys, or the 49ers, and he was right. a, a bad man, basically. Right. Um, so in terms of looking at that, it's, it's pretty much kind of ironic that, you know, Dion becomes the coach of Jackson state, right. When the swag has this realignment with Bethune Cookman and fan and you're in the school that you maybe would have been at, you know, fam, you like, what's going to be the impact of that? So it, you, the, the thing is, I always had to, I had to command commissioner McClellan, man, during this pandemic, you got like, that the ultimate, I was like, he's the ultimate hustler. I love the like, I love the work ethic. I love it because he was always working. But now you got fam, you that shifted. You got Bethune Cookman that shifted. So as I was saying last week, now you get in just in the swag. You get all of these different classes. You get all of these games. You get all of these rivalries. But then you get a renewed rivalry, Southern and and uh, fam, you. That's a renewed rivalry. Right. You get. The Florida Classic, you get Bethune and FAMU. So it's like you get all of these classics, and these are all going to be SWAC teams. They're all going to be SWAC teams. In, you know, in essence, to Boombox Classic, Magic City Classic, Bayou Classic, you know, it's, it's, it is. It's just a lot of stuff that is going on. And with them being added, I think it just added because then you have all the bands, all the teams and all the fans. So it's a lot of camaraderie and a lot of trash talking and a lot of revenue that's going to be made because people going to travel to see these games. Oh, absolutely. And it's ironic you say that you talk about Southern University and their fan base. They are going to travel. I remember as a kid, you know, growing up, going to Jackson State games, um, being at Mississippi Veterans Memorial State. And I'm thinking to myself, asking my parents, like, that's just that's all southern side like i mean i can remember the entire ha- like the, the the stadium if you know anything about mississippi Valley morning stadium it's the horseshoe mm-hmm. and one horseshoe. side is like a sea of blue of like right. columbia blue 
and then right. a, a sea of like navy blue and white and just blue and white. And mm-hmm. It's just like this is really a thing. Yep. People are really coming, and Southern fans, you know, you know, you guys are gonna come in the RVs if the game is on Saturday. You know, you guys are gonna come on Wednesday. You know, ready to tent out <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You probably talk to a lot of trash. We are and- food. Everybody gonna eat. Everybody gonna eat. But that that's so true. I, I I mean, even when I travel from Atlanta to homecoming, I'm just like, bruh, like I'm in there on like a. I I did. I got in last year on a Wednesday because we had business to take care of. But literally, that's it. Thursday, I'm like, God, y'all posted up. Our, y'all don't have to work. But they, they literally, people are posted up Thursday, Thursday night. They're ready. So by Friday night, oh, they're ready to go. When you start looking at, uh, you know, looking at HBCU athletes, what are you? What do you think are the conversations that are missing, um, just from their daily lives as they go through, you know, playing their respective sports? You know, I think a lot of times it, it, it's not a conversation. Sometimes we don't even have a conversation. And I think it's because out of fear that we feel like we can't get some of these athletes. We can't get a four-star. We can't get a five-star. And that's the thing. And so while we're excited to get the four or five stars, we have to give props to the ones that committed to us. But first, we have to give props to the ones that said, hey, I want to go to a Southern. I want to go to a Grambling. I want to go to a Jackson State. We have to give props to those. I wanted to go to a Pine Bluff or Mississippi Valley. We have to give props to those that actually chose us and then use us or say, say, okay, I'm going to consider them after the fact. We love them all, but we have to have that conversation and thank those that actually chose us in the first place but a lot of times in high school there are coaches that are not having those conversations with those athletes they are dismissing our hbcus and telling them that these other programs are better again it's just a conversation and sometimes it's a conversation that they're not even having they're not even having these conversations with these students telling them okay and i think one of the things that's most important with student athletes is not only to excel on the football field or on the basketball court but to also excel excel in the classroom that's another conversation that we have to preach and teach and tell them about excelling in the classroom because it's just as important as putting on for a saturday as it is in putting on in the classroom monday through friday what are some of the biggest um athletic events or maybe football games that you've been attended in your lifetime um so as far as i'm talking about just hbcu in general okay so i would say um i'll say you know the most would be like of course bayou classic magic city classic um i don't know fountain city classic is is major if you know about the albany state the fort valley that's pretty that's pretty big um celebration bowl um meak swag challenge one of the things I pride myself on that I really enjoy that I always tell people you got to get there is the Black College Football Hall of Fame enshrinement. I, I really, truly enjoy that. Um, I, be, I mean, I'm a little person, but I feel real big when I'm in the Black College Football Hall of Fame enshrinement, more so because they already know who I am. But I, I truly enjoy um, those experiences. And then, of course, just, you know, Boombox Classic, um, just those regular games, those rivalry games. Um, that you know just across the board but it, it really is I've, I've done so many different games it's just you know it i've done across the board if you had to choose one classic that's that's like that one like you know you mentioned a lot of them that are really popular but the one classic that you just it just does something to you every time which one would you choose oh i'm going with bayou classic baby i can't bet against the bayou <laughs> <laughs> Even though I grew up on Magic City and I love Magic City, but listen, I can't go against the Bayou. It it, it is. It's it's just something about that atmosphere. 
being out there on the 50 yard line, just being in the Superdome. It's just something about that. And it's just so much camaraderie. And when you see all of that blue and gold and that black and gold, and you see every shirt from vintage old school to, to present day, it, it's just something about it. Because you see the little kids, the babies, and then you see people that's 10 generations. You see people that's 80 years old are still out there supporting those teams. I'm going to take Bayou Classic. I know you're going to be biased when I ask you this question. But who would you say are your top five HBCU bands? Oh, gosh. Okay. So, of course, yeah, I am. I'm going to be biased. I'm going to take Southern at one. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take Jackson State at number two. <sighs> who else do I want to throw in there? I'm gonna th- You can get Tennessee State in there. We can throw Tennessee State in there. Bam, you, we got to throw the Rattlers in there. You got to throw the Rattlers in there. And let's see. <sighs> Thank you in there. Hmm. You got um, Cookman, North Carolina A&T, Alcorn, uh, Alabama State, um, North. I would take a I would take an Alabama State or Alabama A&M because I do like the Stingettes, and so I, I will take an Alabama State. I do like an Alabama State. What What separates the Human Jukebox from every other band? <sighs> you know, it's. I think it's it's more so sound. I think it's everybody has a different sound, a different style, and a different taste. And the one thing I like um, about them, it's not knocking anybody else. I like the fact that they only have one drum major. Right. And the funny thing is, there was a point when there was two drum majors. But now it's just one drum major. And that's the one thing that I like, the separation. That not only are they world-renowned, but it's just a clean, classic thing. And then you just have one drum major. And I think that's the one thing that I really like is that it's just one person. That one person gets that chance to shine by themselves. It's, you know, the spotlight is on one person. I mean, I could just remember, or even just within, you know, every year when I hear Southern play, it's nothing like, if you hear a song, Mm -hmm. it's almost like they're playing the exact same song, the way it's played on the radio. I remember being at the uh, Boombox Classic in 2018 and uh, Travis Scott had just dropped some music and they played some of his songs as if I was literally listening to yep, it's Travis so Scott clean. On, so a, clean. On, a, on a computer. Yep, so clean. It, it's so clean. That's, I mean, it's, everything is so clean, so precise. And, you know, you'll get where it's like trumpets, trumpet fanfares. It's just so clean. It's, it, it is, it's something like none other, but even when I listen to Jackson State, and I say one of my, my signatures, of course, is Get Ready. It's, right. it's something about watching Jackson State come in doing Get Ready and the drum majors that's, that's out. But Southern, absolutely. Like, I, I can't. And that's, that's just the hands down. Like, it's, it's something about the jukebox and the dancing dolls. Yeah, I, I can't go against that ever. When you start looking at the landscape of HBCU athletes moving forward now, uh, how important are the legacies of the ones that came before them really, really important? So I think you have to have those people come back. You got to have your, you know, your Mel Blunts, your Aeneas Williams, your Harold Carmichael's, your Robert Brazil's. Um, you have to have those people come back and, and they have to pour in your Doug Williams. And for people, I mean, Doug Williams has a seat at the table. He uses the seat at the table, the table, the chairs, the napkins and everything. Doug is one of those people that he's 200% HBCUs, which, I, which is what I really respect right. um, about him. 
And so I think we, they have to continue coming back and we have to continue making opportunities. And like you look at case in point um, yesterday with the Pro Football um, Hall of Fame, you know, they got this this grant or funding for um, scouts and coaches for HBCUs, you know, you know, to pay for certain things. So and that was funneled, I guess, through the Black College Football Hall of Fame. So. For things like that, programs like that, we have to continue to show them, okay, there are opportunities for you at HBCUs. It's not just you coming in, you playing for us, and you graduating, boom, we forgot about you. You have to continue to show them um, those things, those fellowships, those different co-ops, those interns, and continue to have those people, like I said, that have walked those lines and said, okay, I made it, you too can make it. We have to just continue to pour that story out. Who would you say... Who would you say is your favorite HBCU athlete all time or that you've seen play in your lifetime? Who? That that could be. I'm going to try to keep this one kind of – I'm going to keep this one kind of in this uh, realm. I'm going to go with Lenard Tillery. He's one of my favorite because um, I remember watching, you know, just going trying to watch Lenard Tillery break the record. So Lenard is probably one of my favorite. Uh, Willie Quinn was uh, another one. Um I can't forget like Quincy Richard, Terrence. Oh, he Lee. was a all, all of my Jaguars. Those yes, were yes. you know, those were those were some of uh, my favorite people to watch um in, in that in that time frame. Um, you know, just just watching the stuff that they did and just you know the it just it carries on and people still talk about those you know those people um to this day and that's that's crazy because if we look across the board, there's so many athletes and so many sports. And it's just like, wow, but, you know, I, I do. I just – I kind of wish I was, like, back in that era where I could actually see a Jerry Rice <laughs> or want to, or I could actually see what they were like or or Willie Titan. So – but I, those are de- – I'll definitely roll with my Jaguars on that. So, Keisha, if people wanted to follow you, you know, for the work that you do and everything that you have going on, where could they follow you and What's some of the upcoming things that you have going on with uh, with yourself? Okay, so what's coming up next? Uh, yesterday, we did interview former wide receiver from Southern uh, Curry Allen. So coming up this Thursday, um, we're going to be interviewing uh, head coach of Tennessee State. That's Coach Rod Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, that's on podcast. So that's on Spreaker. So if people are trying to follow us, we're on Instagram. It's just Black College Experience. Um, on Twitter, we're Black College EXP. And then on Facebook, it's The Black College Experience. Um, if you're trying to follow us on those social media handles. Stay tuned for episode eight of the Red Diamond Report podcast next week. Until then, make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at the RDR Report and follow me on Twitter at Wilton Reports and on Instagram at Wilton Reports underscore.